Believe in yourself, cause it starts with you, and then everyone else will believe you too. And if it looks like you're the only believer around, just keep on believing, don't put yourself down, just believe. Our guest this week grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, and earned a bachelor's degree in business from Eastern Michigan, and an MBA from Michigan State University's Eli Broad School of Business. For four years, she worked for Quicken Loans, and for three years was a micro-lending officer for Prosper U.S. Detroit Southwest Economic Solutions. For two years, she served in the Michigan House of Representatives, and since 2019, she has served in the Michigan Senate from the 3rd District. Her name? Senator Sylvia Santana. And I'm Jack Rizzo, and this is Anything is Possible on 760 WJR. I'm Jack Rizzullo. This is Anything is Possible. And we're talking to Senator Sylvia Santana. Since 2019, she has served in the Michigan Senate from the 3rd District. Sylvia, if you would tonight, could you lead us in an opening prayer? Sure. Uh, Lord God, we thank you so much for having us here this evening. We pray that the conversation that um, we have this evening will be edifying to the listening audience. And we pray, Lord God, that you will just bless um, those who will feel inspired and shed a light on the world for everyone to have hope and faith in you. Amen. Amen. All right, let's talk about your mom. She was the youngest of 13 kids, and she was an entrepreneur. Tell us about yeah. mom. Yeah, so my mother grew up in a a townhouse with uh, 13 other people. Obviously, her older siblings were moving off to um, do their own things in life, but she was the youngest of, of all of her siblings and the last to leave home. Um, but she um, decided early on in her life that she wanted to sell candies and things of that nature um, just to make sure that she had money to go to this roller skating ring as a child. And so that propelled her into um, becoming an entrepreneur in her adult life. Um, but she also, you know, with becoming an entrepreneur and doing things um, the, you know, the American way, she also, to offset her single mother income, she also sold drugs. And so um, that was another way that she tried to help support me and my other siblings throughout our life. All right. And your dad was in and out of incarceration. So your mom yeah. and your grandmother raised you. Um, what's the biggest thing mom taught you, Sylvia? I would say the biggest thing my mother taught me was to keep your credit intact. Um, you know, definitely banks are willing to loan you money if you're doing the right thing. Uh, it's always, you know, been a part of the American fabric uh, to be able to leverage capital. And so that was one of the biggest things my mother taught me, as well as getting an education is very important to being able to expand opportunities uh, to be anything and everything that you could imagine in your life. I've often heard it said that a bank is in the business of lending umbrellas when it's sunny. And then when it rains, they come and call you and ask for those umbrellas back. So okay. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> All right. All right. As a kid, you loved school. Mm -hmm. Why and how? 
I think for me, my teachers were that um, network of individuals who really helped to inspire me beyond my four walls in my home. Um, they actually, you know, I remember working for Ms. Jansen in the summertime, helping to clean her house um, when, as a student um, in middle school. And I remember going to study abroad with uh my teacher, Miss Renee Avia, at the age of 13, the first time I ever been on a flight and the first time I ever been overseas. And those type of experiences, I think, broadened my horizons as a uh, student, but also it helped me to uh, become the woman you see today. Um, I believe that, you know, when you think about educators and you think about our teachers, they're with our students uh, the majority of their time. And whatever values those teachers bring to that student will also help to shape them for the future. Another thing your mom taught you was go after your dreams, seize your dreams. Talk to our young people tonight about seizing their dreams. Yeah, I, you know, I was a shy kid, very introverted, uh, surprisingly. <laughs> um, but I think that one of the things that really my mother did, uh, which I think most parents should do, is push your kids to do those things that, um, you know, that are um, going to help them to shape them, um, but also help them to expand their horizons. I think that for me, growing up in, you know, Cincinnati, uh, being a part of the Cincinnati Youth Collaborative helped expand my uh, understanding of things like engineering. Um, it helped me to, you know, be exposed to the opera house. Um, things like that are really, um, it, uh, really instrumental to making sure you have a more well-rounded child. And so I think that parents sh should listen to their children and, and help them to expand their opportunities when they want to pursue those things. Everybody that's met you said she Senator Santana is a natural leader. Senator, what do all great leaders have in common? I think the first thing, you have to be a good listener. I think as a leader, you have to listen to the people that you're leading and hear their woes, hear their um, you know, successes, as well as be able to take that, those constructive criticisms um, to make sure that you can shape things in a direction that is meaningful for the bigger audience. And I think that's what's really important to be in a good leader, especially in our state. All right, we're talking to Senator Sylvia Santano. And in 2003, she went to work for a fledgling company in Livonia by the name of Quicken Loans. When we come back, we're going to ask her about Quicken Loans and Danny Gilbert. And I'm Jack Rasula, and this is Anything is Possible on 760 W. This is Anything is Possible. I'm your host, Jack Prasula. We're with Senator Sylvia Santana. And from 2003 to 2007, she worked in Livonia for Quicken Loans. I think at that time it had about 1,300 people. Talk about that chapter in your life. Absolutely. So coming out of, you know, getting a degree of finance at Eastern Michigan University, I had a lot of options on the table um, for job opportunities. And um, at that time, Jack, the two biggest opportunities were Pfizer and Quicken Loans. And so, you know, Pfizer was going to take me to New York and um, Quicken Loans was right in our backyard here in Livonia. And so, I had to make a decision. And so I decided on Quicken Loans. And I'm glad I did because I think that was a faith walk. Because the next day, 
Um, after I signed on to the job at Quicken Loans, Pfizer laid off hundreds of employees right here in Ann Arbor. And so that for me was uh, just a testament to what faith can do if you follow the right path and listen to your spirit. Um, right. I will say that. Um, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I would say that Quicken Loans for me was um, the greatest experience um, coming into a co company where innovation is rewarded. And that for me spoke to the leadership of Dan Gilbert as well as his team. All right. Tell us about Dan Gilbert. So I would say Dan Gilbert was uh, definitely innovative and on the forefront of what we look at companies doing today for their employees, which is making sure that the employee has everything imaginable in its workspace to live, work, and play right in the company. Um, I think that one of the things that I really enjoyed about working at Quicken Loans was the fact that um, Dan Gilbert had the isms. And if you know anything about Quicken Loans, this is the basically the culture and the fiber of the company. And these are the uh, creed, if you will, that we followed as employees. And I will say that, uh, you know, definitely those things resonate with me today as a lawmaker. For example, we eat our own dog food is one of the isms. You know, innovation is rewarded, but execution is uh, either even better. So those are the type of things that I think from a from a mantra of the company that have really helped it to succeed and also helped to um, shape in the lives of so many people who work there. Dan Gilbert, if you're listening tonight and you need a new PR agent, you just found her, <laughs> Senator Sylvia Santana. All right. You told me over breakfast a while ago that the biggest thing Dan Gilbert taught you was listen to your employees. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think that, you know, when you're listening to your employees, they are the pulse of the company. They are the ones who are um producing for the company. And I think one of the things that really has helped to resonate with me as a lawmaker and, and someone who has a small team of people is to listen um, to them and adhere to some of the counsel that they give. Now, whether or not I follow it, that's another, that's another answer. But I will say that it has helped to um, you know, in the district with my constituents, making sure I understand what's going on on the ground um, as I work in Lansing, but also it, it, it keeps me um, humble and also keeps me uh, thinking about the goals of our constituents um, in our district. All right. From 2014 to 2016, you were a micro lending officer for Prosper U.S. Detroit slash Southwest Economic Solutions. Tell us about that organization. You know, I definitely loved working um, in the entrepreneurial space with small businesses. I think, you know, growing up, having a mother who owned a ice cream shop, was a landlord, owned many properties, as well as, um, you know, had a adventure fail with a car wash and a laundromat. Um, I definitely thought that being in that space as a underwriter was the best space that I could be in um, because I knew firsthand growing up, you know, helping my mom, what it looked like to have a failed business versus a successful one. And so being in a space where entrepreneurs did not have access to capital because their credit was not the best and banks would not take that risk, uh, we had the opportunity to help support them with a non-traditional loan that did not have the red tape of a traditional banking system. And so we helped entrepreneurs 
minority majority, mostly, as well as immigrants to succeed at their dreams. All right. If there's a person tonight that says, I'm a fledgling entrepreneur, Senator, what can I do to find money? What would you say to that person? I would say um, the best resource that I have found to date um, is the BizGrid, Detroit BizGrid. And that is a resource that will help you to navigate what specifically you're looking for by way of business resources. Um, for me, that was one of the resources that I always use to help navigate my entrepreneurs to um, different um, ways to get support. And I think that's something that all entrepreneurs should look to. But you have to have a plan too as an entrepreneur. You can't just go into it, oh, I'm going to do this and not have vetted the business, not have um, actually taken the time to actually see if it's something that's marketable. Um, I think one of the biggest things that an entrepreneur can do is listen to the consumers and see if there is a niche that they have that they can drive forward. If you want to learn more, www.detroitbizgrid.com. Okay, talking about a plan, in 2016, you decide to run for the Michigan House of Representatives. Why? <laughs> I'll be honest with you, Jack. Nobody else wanted to run. <laughs> That's the simple answer. But needless to say, I had already been working in my community very uh, diligently as the community leader for the Warrendale Community Association. And at the time, it was a mortgage crisis. We saw where mortgages were upside down. We had the Great Recession. And they needed a voice in a community to help navigate uh, through the, the city government as well as through uh, federal government for resources to make sure that they could sustain their homes. Um, so for me, that was the direction that, you know, was just natural. My husband was the one who always was going to run for office. I was just the individual who's going to support him along the way. But I guess God has a funny sense of humor. And so in 2015, I took the liberty to get trained up with the Michigan Political Leadership Program. And during that program, I was pregnant with my son, Samuel. And my girlfriend said, are you going to run for office one day? You should. You should really consider it. Your husband's being turned out. And I said, well, I just had a kid. And she said, you should run anyway. So with women, we always have to be asked to run for office. It's not something that we uh, typically will uh, just engage in. But I took the, the the dive and, you know, went for it and ran for office. And like Mayor Duggan said, it was pretty seamless because I had already supported the community so much that people knew me um, already. So that was a positive. And in November of 2016, you sneaked by. You got 94.3% of the vote for uh Michigan House of Representatives, District 9. Okay, you mentioned Harvey a couple of times. Your, mm -hmm. your better half, you met him at Eastern Michigan. He is a former state rep. You guys have a great partnership. What has Harvey taught you about being a public servant? Well, he definitely brings a different uh, perspective to public service that I, than I do. Obviously, we're two different people. But I think one of the biggest things he has taught me is that you have to be in your community. You have to be amongst the voters. And um, Lansing is a you know a beast to navigate because there's a lot of bureaucracy. And so one of the things that I really have been very um, been, that's been very beneficial for me is that 
Um, the transition plan that my husband gave me was definitely a resource that is valuable uh, because it helped me not to have the training wheels that most lawmakers have when they go into elected office at the state level. Um, so I would say the biggest thing is to uh, be fluid and also um, get that inclining of when to actually, you know, execute a project and make sure that it's deliverable. Um, I think that timing is everything. And that was one of the biggest things that I've learned thus far from my husband, Harvey. We're talking to Senator Sylvia Santana. And a year ago, she was named the Democratic Legislature of the Year in Michigan. That's pretty tall cut. So I'm Jack Rasula. This is Anything is Possible on 760 WJR. Welcome back to Anything is Possible. I'm Jack Rasula with Senator Sylvia Santana. And since 2019, she has served in the Michigan Senate representing the third district. What are the boundaries of the third district? Yeah, so the third district is uh, quite, uh, it's nice. It's 20, you know, we have about 20 minute drive around the entire district, unlike the UP where it could take a whole day. (laughs) Um, But the third district encompasses Detroit, Dearborn, as well as Melvindale. The northern borders being Livernois as well, or excuse me, uh, Puritan as well as Grand River, and all of Dearborn and all of Melvindale um, as the uh, southern border of the district. Tell us about the 250,000 people that you represent in the third district. Yes. So my district encompasses uh, a lot of the whole city of uh, Dearborn which is pretty much 29% of that district is Arab American. Um, It is the largest number of Arab Americans outside of the Middle East. Um, And then also it encompasses a Caucasian population, whereas on the Detroit side, it's more a predominantly African-American district. Um, But that's the breakup of just the racial breakup of the district. I will say also from a demographic standpoint, I have the most kids between the ages of zero and 18. And I also have the most single mothers uh, and renters in my district. And when you look at my district uh, from a state standpoint, we have the top five five poverty zip codes in the state. And so that for me is always a tall task um, because that means that I have a lot of work to do to change that narrative. What are the two or three biggest issues from your constituents today? Yes. So right away, uh, when I was in the house, you know, one of the biggest things I heard on the doors was auto insurance, Jack. Um, You know, people were complaining about their auto insurance rates. I remember a lady had a Traverse vehicle, just like I do, and she was paying $16,000 a year for her premiums on her auto insurance. That's more than what the cost of the vehicle is. Um, I had the highest rates in the nation in the 48228 area code of my district when it comes to auto insurance. And so when you put that in perspective, um, the top poverty zip codes in the state have also the highest insurance rate. How so is that? Uh, People don't have enough money 
to even pay for their insurance so that they can drive legally. So that was one of the top issues that we had to tackle um, in the state legislature. And uh, 2019, we were able to pass a meaningful uh, piece of auto insurance reform legislation um, that hopefully will help to streamline rates and has already. Uh, we've seen it where the governor's already announced that uh, we will be getting some relief uh, from the MCCA. And so people will see a refund from their auto insurance. So I think that we've already seen where um, working on the issues that matter to people um, definitely is supported in the legislature. Um, I will say also, when you think about um, the district, I think education is always a priority for all of our constituents uh, across the state. And uh, from a literacy standpoint, we have to make sure that our young people have the ability to expand their opportunities in life. But with, with literacy, they can do that. And so I think that's one of the top priorities that we have to focus on is making sure that our kids and our educators as well as our superintendents have the ability to be able to uh, create successful children of the future. All right. You talk about auto insurance, cars. Tell us about infrastructure. Yes, absolutely. So in our district, I think the biggest issue that we have by way of infrastructure is that we have no longer the 100-year flood. Uh, we're seeing where climate change is really impacting our communities and people are seeing where their basins flooded. You know, back in 2014, we had this issue and we had this issue this past summer. And so when you look at infrastructure, um, that's one piece of it. But the state of Michigan is at a D minus rate, no matter where you read in the in the in the actual state of Michigan. We have to do better about our infrastructure. We saw in Pennsylvania where the bridge collapsed when Biden was going to go visit. Um, and so here in my district specifically, um, we've prioritized Miller Bridge, which um, definitely was a crumbly bridge in the city of Dearborn. And we've made sure that we put $70 million towards supporting that renovation. But infrastructure across the board is a definitely a priority for me. Um, it starts with our sewage systems because uh, we have to make sure that we have an infrastructure underneath the ground that's going to sustain us for the future to come. $70 million for one bridge. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, okay. you look at, look at the deferred maintenance. Um, you know, we've been kicking the can down the road for so long and, uh, you know, each legislature has only, you know, put a Band-Aid on the uh, cost for infrastructure repairs. And so now we have to do more of an investment for things that should have been done um, on a gradual basis. Um, we're talking to Senator Sylvia Santana and a couple of committees she's on are the Senate Appropriations Committee and the Health Policy and the Human Services Committee. <clears throat> um, you've had several public acts passed through the Michigan Senate that you've led, many of which are related to criminal justice reform. Why do you have such a passion for that, Sylvia? Wow. Uh, it goes back to what I said before. I think your life becomes full circle. And having two parents who had been incarcerated at some point really, I think, directed me towards that path. It wasn't something that um, you know, I was married to because I was looking at the entrepreneurship as my direction. However, I will say that, you know, my uh, Democratic colleagues felt that, you know, for me, this was a pat thing that I could lead on, an issue that I could um, actually 
you know, be successful at. And so it has become my issue. And so I'm very happy to champion, uh, you know, legislation and policy that's going to change the narrative for juveniles in our state. Uh, we shouldn't hold them to accountability until their uh, their brains are fully developed at the age of 26. So Raise the Age helped to uh, provide that support. Um, and then also we looked at the juveniles who, you know, they run away from home or they're truant from school. And so we just wanted to make sure that our kids are aligned with, our policies are aligned with the federal government's policies. So for me, it was a no brainer when I started in the house that, you know, I started off on the appropriation side for corrections. And then that tailored into what I'm doing today as far as making sure that we continue to prioritize rehabilitation and also real reforms for people who are coming back to our society. Uh, when you think about it, uh, you know, in order for an individual who is a returning citizen to be successful, um, they have to actually have to have some tools when they leave prison to make sure that they can be successful and never return. And so I think that for me, that um, that is the passion that I see. And I had a father who always had mental health issues and had an opioid addiction who continued to return to prison. And I think to myself, had he had the proper tools, then perhaps he would be at a different place today. God rest his soul. Talking to Senator Sylvia Santana. When we come back, we're going to ask her about what are her goals in the Senate this year. And I'm Jack Rasula, and this is Anything is Possible on 760 WJR. Jack Krizula, host of WJR's Anything is Possible, the weekly radio visit, brings his 15 years of inspirational storytelling to hardcover. With God, anything is possible. Anything is possible. 15 of Jack's more than 750 tales of defeating odds and achieving the extraordinary. Like Bob Woodruff, whose job covering the war in Iraq nearly cost him his life. And Nick Vujicic, the limbless evangelist who has stunned millions with his message of acceptance and grace. With God, anything is possible. Order now while signed copies are still available at trustinusllc.square.site. That's trustinusllc.square.site. And as Jack says, Make it a great week because with God, anything is possible. Spohol. I'm Jack Rasula. This is Anything is Possible, and we're talking to Senator Sylvia Santana. Since 2019, she has served in the Michigan Senate, representing the 3rd District. If you want to learn more, www.senate.michigan.gov. All right, Sylvia, new year. What's the goals this year? Absolutely. So... As I mentioned before, you know, I always had a passion for small businesses. And surprisingly, that's why I thought I was coming to the legislature to make sure that we can support those small businesses that I helped as an underwriter. And so what we have seen during this pandemic, Jack, is that so many of our small businesses have closed. Um, they haven't been able to sustain themselves. They may have one or two employees that also worked for them. And, and so, and resources were finite when it came to getting those resources to the small businesses during this pandemic. 
And so one of the biggest things for me is really making sure that our small business owners who want to be in business can sustain themselves beyond any natural catastrophe, any pandemic um, or any circumstance that we you know, see, foresee in the future. I will tell you, I've worked hard to in the legislature already to make sure that this is possible. Um, you know, looking at times when we do, um, you know, construction projects on our major uh, highways or major thoroughfares like Grand River, that those small business owners have a way to have resources available to them. Um, those are some of the things that we've already tried to prioritize uh, through the state legislature. But I think one of the biggest things is making sure that our small businesses um, also have a a voice at the table, making sure that they feel um, that their lawmakers are listening to them and also make sure that they have the resources available to them to sustain themselves. And I think um, the biggest priority now is how do you relaunch post this pandemic your business and and stay on the right direction uh, and pathway. So I think one of the biggest things that I initially introduced uh, back in uh, 2017 when I first got elected was a bill to make sure that small business owners can actually afford their employees, um, giving them some tax incentives to um, hire people locally. Um, So that's one of the biggest things by way of the small businesses that I think is going to be helpful and resourceful. Um, I think also we have so much ARPA dollars and pandemic dollars that um, this is a great opportunity to make sure that from an infrastructure standpoint, that those small business owners have the ability to make their businesses or their commercial corridors uh, more eco-friendly, making sure that we're reducing energy costs for them and also making sure that they um, can sustain themselves by way of their utilities. So I think those are all things that are going to Um, be part of the biggest priority for me in this next legislative term. Uh, When it comes to health care, that's the other big area that we um, obviously see where neglect and the vulnerabilities exist within our health care system through this pandemic. And I think we really have to retool and reshape ourselves to make sure that um, our health care system is not vulnerable in the way it has been through this pandemic. Um, So I think there's a lot of conversations that need to happen by way of infrastructure, making sure that we have resources here um, in our state um, and we're not relying on the national level, um, but also making sure that we're not relying on other countries to ship those goods here, like our prescription drugs. Uh, We have to find a way to make sure our supply chain is more seamless when it comes to um, getting those resources to the hospitals as necessary. We're talking to Senator Sylvia Santana. If you want to learn more, www.senate.michigan.gov. Okay, Sylvia, I don't know, 20 years ago, there was a commercial with E.F. Hutton. You know, very famously, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. What I hear about you is when Senator Santana talks, we listen. You've got a softness about you. You don't lie. You don't scream. How are you so effective while being so classy? Well, I tell you this. I think, you know, it all goes back to um, my creed on life. Guy first, family second, a career last. And so I think, you know, the direction that, well, people listen to me because I don't speak often. I told you I'm more of a listener. Um, But I 
think that ultimately I want nothing more but for the best for our constituency across the state of Michigan. And I think people know that about my, my me as a person. And so I think that resonates with uh, my colleagues more than anything. Um, I think that, you know, ultimately I'm a very pragmatic person. So I try to cut through the, the, the you know, red tape real quick. And I try to make sure that when I introduce something or we implement something that is something that's going to be longstanding. And so that's why I feel that my colleagues are uh, very open to hear my ideas and take them up for consideration. She may not talk often, but Senator Santana a year ago was named Democratic Legislature of the Year in Michigan. All right, Senator, the animosity, the contempt, the hatred between the two sides today. I mean, families are fighting, you know, kids, Husbands, husband, wives, brothers, brothers. What's the solution? Well, I think these are all things that were brewing before the pandemic. I just think that, you know, when when life is idle, people um, tend to pay attention more and, and have more time on their hands. And so, you know, one of the things we try to prioritize, you know, during this pandemic was making sure domestic violence funding was available. Um as far as my colleagues go, you know, I definitely think that you're right. There has been a divide. But when money came into the picture, <laughs> people get along better when money is available to spend versus uh, prior to that. Um, because I will tell you, Jack, they were on the both on two different bookends um, prior to this pandemic. But I think, you know, I've heard uh, one of my colleagues say it best. You know, let's let's work on the things that we can't agree on. And those that we cannot, let's just put aside for another day. Um, I think that's what the priority should be. And I think as long as we're prioritizing the people of Michigan and their needs first, that's what we should be doing anyway. And so I think if we continue on that vein, uh, we will we will be successful. All right. I quote you now. Michigan is at a fork in the road. Now, Yogi Berra once said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> OK. Uh, but Michigan is at a fork in the road. Sylvia, what do you mean by that? Well, I think, you know, we definitely seen where this pandemic has shown us all of our vulnerabilities, whether it be the supply chain, whether it be our hospital infrastructure and our nurses and our actual workers, um, our first responders, if you will. Um, we've seen where our education system has been challenged through this pandemic because our kids are struggling with behavioral health, as well as um, just being able to um, sustain themselves at the level, level of their performance because of the pandemic and not having in-person class all the time. Um, and so I think there, there's a lot of things that we have to go back and take a look at and reevaluate how we're moving forward. I believe that we are at a crossroads and that is that fork in the road is definitely there. And if we don't go the right path, meaning that we don't invest in our infrastructure, we don't invest in uh, making sure that our students have the type of mental health supports they need in the classroom or in the schools, if we don't invest in uh, making sure that our hospitals are can withstand uh, crises, uh, and we don't invest in our supply chain being more uh, locally uh, available to us, uh, we are going to see where these challenges that we've already seen get worse eventually with time. And so I think for this legislative body, we have to make sure that we're doing everything in our willpower uh, to make sure that we're setting up Michigan for success in the future, whether it be bringing businesses here 
or whether it be uh, making sure that the individuals who decided to live, work, and play as residents of the state have everything that they can for, at the kitchen table to make sure that they can be successful. More month than money, or more money than month, excuse me, um, they can afford their prescription drugs, um, you know, that our teachers don't have to feel like the weight of the world is on their shoulders, but they can actually do their jobs and actually teach our students versus have all these other uh, requirements that we've required as a state that are not necessary for teaching uh, and educating our kids. Um, and so there's a lot of things there. I know I've said a lot and I've packed a lot in a little bit of time, but I definitely believe that, you know, we have to, as a state, set our kids up for success. And also the people who live here, we lose way too much talent uh, from the state. We educate everyone and they leave the state and we don't have those resources available to us when they leave college. And so I think we have to find ways to keep those students here as well. Speaking of way too much talent, anybody that's listening tonight says, this is one special young woman. You could make so much more in the private sector. Sylvia, why run again? Why keep doing this? I have a heart of service, you know, and I think if you will do anything for free, then you should do it. Uh, to make sure that you can better the constituents around you. And my heart is with the community and it always has been and always will be. And so I believe that in order to make effective change, I have to be in a place where I can have a seat at the table to make those changes. And I believe that, you know, I'm, I'm positioned for a time such as this. And we've seen where my leadership has uh, remained constant and people listen to me. And I think that that is one of the priorities that we have to continue to focus on is making sure uh, that Michigan remains a top priority. One of the things I can't stand, Jack, is being at the bottom of all the lists nationally. And I think we have an opportunity in Michigan to be at the top of those lists. We come up with all the great ideas, but we're always the last ones to implement them by way of policy and resources. And so I believe that Michigan is uniquely positioned and we have a great opportunity to be the state where everybody is attracted to and wants to come and wants to invest their money. Well, as a young girl growing up in Cincinnati, the Bengals were at the bottom of the list, but congratulations. And uh, Sylvia, you're an old soul. You're a true public servant. Keep up the great, great work. Thank you so much, Jack. Please join us next Saturday. Until then, I'm Jack Prasula. Thanks for listening and make it a great week because with God, Anything is possible, Spawn. Believe in yourself.